this time next year. Written and read by Liz Hines. 5th of February. Drying my hair this morning, I noticed that the skin on my elbow resembles an elephant's bottom. I can say this with authority, as I saw a great number of elephant's bottoms on the Natural History programme on television last night. It's Bev's birthday on Saturday. I thought we might have a girls' night out tomorrow, but Simon is taking her away for the weekend. What about your diet? I asked. That's what I said to Simon, Bev said. But he said, stuff the diet. I want to take my slim and sexy wife away for a dirty weekend. I wasn't going to argue with that. Anyway, all the sexies planning will do me more good than any diet. That is the sort of exercise I am missing. I wonder if I should hire a gigolo. Purely for diet purposes, of course. But how do you go about contacting a gigolo? Do they have their own section in yellow pages? Or is it all done surreptitiously through the would-like-to-meet columns of the newspaper? There are so many things I used to rely on Brian for, like knowing where to find tradespeople. 11th of February, Wednesday. I'm beginning to feel like Bridget Jones. I am obsessed with my weight. It's a good thing I don't smoke as well. I can only give up one thing at a time. Although I've given up a lot more than one thing, I've given up bread, cheese, chocolate and wine. Lydia keeps telling me it's not compulsory to give these up altogether, but she doesn't know me like I do. I am physically unable to eat a little bit of cheese chocolate bread. They are substances that only come in big bits, or should only come in big bits. At least I lost two pounds this week. That makes it, not counting the pound I put on, four and a half pounds I have lost altogether. It's going in the right direction, but so slowly... I'll have to try harder this week. It's only nine days to Trisha's party. That's enough time for a dramatic loss if I tried really hard. I should be able to cope with a strict diet for that length of time. I feel a new resolve. Having a specific target to aim for will be a great help. I can't wait to begin tomorrow. Oh, no, I mean right now, of course. It's a bad habit I've got into of treating myself to a chocolate bar after Weight Watch World. Just because it is a whole week until next weigh-in doesn't mean I should be any less determined. I will put my crunchy away. Later. It's very hard to be resolute when there's a chocolate bar in the pantry. It's a good job I have such a strong will. Later still. It could be considered masochistic, keeping a chocolate bar in the pantry, subjecting oneself to extra temptation. And is it wise or necessary... Dieting can play tricks on the mind, make it want to do stupid things. I could end up eating a whole box full of chocolates just because I have been denied access to one small bar. These things do happen, I have read about them. And I do have a whole week, nine days altogether before Trisha's party. I think, bearing these things in mind, that to eat the crunchy tonight would be the wisest option. Tomorrow is a brand new day, as somebody once said. 13th of February. I wonder if I will receive a valentine tomorrow. Or ever again. Muriel heard me sigh and forced a chocolate biscuit on me. She said just the one wouldn't do me any harm. And as they were so small, two would only count as one anyway. Valentine's Day, 14th of February, Saturday. The postman came this morning, 
the thud as the mail hit the floor had a promising ring to it. But I should have stayed in bed. I don't know why I was full of hope. Who on earth did I think would send me a valentine anyway? I don't have any secret admirers. Not that I thought I did. But a girl has to dream. I really am very tired today. I wonder if it's the result of extra strict dieting. Perhaps I should have eaten all of last night's pizza instead of three quarters. Lettuce might be good for one, but it can hardly be expected to maintain a person's body for a day. 18th of February, Wednesday. I lost one pound. One measly pound. I have been ultra good and all I lose is one stinky pound. I grumbled loudly to Lydia. Her answer was that perhaps I was not eating enough. You mustn't starve yourself, she said. Otherwise your body thinks there is a famine and slows down its metabolic rate to make your food last longer. I think it unlikely that my body could seriously believe that we were approaching famine conditions. But it is a point to bear in mind. 22nd of February, the day after the night before. Jeff phoned. He said he will drive my car home later this afternoon. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Jeff. I've only just woken up. Um, where is my car? At our house. What's it doing at your house? You drove it here last night. Oh, yes, of course. I came to Trisha's party, I remember. He did not sound best pleased. I thought I should have some coffee and wake up some more before probing any further. I can remember dressing for Trisha's party. I wore my simple black top and trousers, aiming for a stylishly rich underdress look, and driving to their house, making sure I was on time. I know Trisha gets very upset at lateness. Jeff opened the door to me before Trisha took over, introducing me to everyone with a pointed, This is Jeff's sister Alison. I think I've mentioned her to you. The last person I met was Nigel, the computer man. I leave you to get to know each other, Trisha said, pushing us together. Nigel shook my hand effusively. I I'm sorry you've had to come out tonight. Oh, that's all right, I said. It's very kind of you. I'm sorry you had to. I extracted my hand from his. It's not a problem. No, but, oh, I'm sorry. Would you like to sit down? I'm sorry. I'm afraid I've been sitting in this seat. Here, let me just plump up the cushion for you. He sat on the arm of the sofa next to me. We both stared into space for a moment and then he said, I'm sorry. I didn't say anything. No, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm not very good at conversation. <laughs> Don't worry. Just relax. I'm the same when I meet new people. I'm sorry to put you through this. Uh, did Jeff tell me you're the managing director of a computer firm? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. No, he's misled you. I'm technical director. Although I suppose I part own the company, so I could be called managing director. I'm sorry, now I've misled you. Trisha came over then. Oh, you two are getting on famously, I can tell. Now, Alison, what will you have to drink? I have some of your special in the fridge. My special? You know, the drink for people who have special requirements. Oh, Diet Cola, you mean? I glanced at Nigel. No, it's okay, Trisha, I'll have a red wine, please. A large one. Are you sure, Alison? Trisha gave me a significant look. Yes, honestly, a glass or two won't hurt for one night. Well, if you're sure, and you, Nigel, are you all right? Would you like another or a top-up? Uh, I'm sorry, I haven't quite finished this one yet. 
It's all right, Nigel. There's no need to... Ah, you're finished. Another fizzy water? I don't want to put you to any trouble. It's no trouble at all, Nigel. Let me take your glass. Oh, yes, I'm sorry. Here, thank you. When Tricia had gone to get the drinks, we looked at each other and smiled uneasily. Don't you drink then, Nigel, I said. No, I'm sorry. I'm afraid the smallest drop of alcohol sends me to sleep. And that doesn't make me very popular at parties. <laughs> he laughed. I smiled and took a large swig of the wine Tricia handed to me. I can remember sitting next to Nigel to eat and him apologising, although not necessarily to me, for sitting next to me, taking up too much space, not eating his bread roll, slurping his water, not having seconds, driving a Ford, disliking broccoli, never having been to Croatia, and buying his shirts in Littlewoods. After that, my memory seems a bit blurry. When he returned my car, Jeff didn't say much, only that he thought my plan of phoning Tricia to thank her for a lovely evening probably wasn't a good one. At least not until after the carpet cleaning man has been and removed the red wine stain from their highly expensive Highland Cream carpet. I have no recollection of any wine spilling incident, but Jeff said it happened just after I'd offered to teach everyone to tango. 23rd of February, Monday. Mr Davis Senior came bustling into work this morning. The first thing he said was, Has a parcel arrived for me? I'm expecting an important package. Make sure you tell me as soon as it arrives. Every ten minutes he came out of his office and said the same thing. By 9.50 I was just as excited and couldn't wait for the postman to arrive. When he did, we were both disappointed. No parcel for Mr Davis. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Are you sure it was being delivered here, I asked, not to your home address? Yes, definitely. I told them it had to come here as Barbara's in Cardiff all day and I couldn't take the chance of them leaving it on the doorstep. Dear, oh dear, oh dear. Perhaps it'll come by parcel post or special delivery, Muriel said. Yes, that's it, Mr D beamed. Of course they wouldn't risk sending it by Royal Mail over the weekend. Anything could happen in that time. The poor man was on tenterhooks. I found it hard to concentrate myself as I kept watching for a delivery man. I hope his parcel turns up soon, or as he said, who knows what will happen. Muriel thought it might be a present for his wife, and that was the real reason why he was having it delivered to the office. A diamond ring, maybe, she said. You can buy them from the television now, you know. Remembering his choice of Christmas present for his wife, admittedly at her request, but all the same, I felt this was unlikely. But I did agree that having it sent to the office was suspicious. Neither of us believed his reason for that. Perhaps it is medication, Muriel said, nodding, pursing her lips and raising her eyebrows at the same time. I'm not sure what sort of medication you would buy by post, but couldn't ask Muriel any more as a client arrived and demanded a cup of coffee. I was tempted to say, me too if you're making it, but thought better of it. I do hope the parcel arrives soon. The anticipation is driving me wild. Later. The parcel finally arrived at 3.30pm. I called Mr Davis Senior as soon as I had signed for it and he came rushing out from his office. Where is it? Ah, yes, excellent. 
he picked the box up and took it into his office. Two minutes later, he emerged with his coat on. I'll be off then now. See you in the morning. Yes, Mr Davis, but... It was too late. He had gone before I could ask him what was in the box. Muriel and I looked at each other. Did you see what was written on it? I asked. She nodded. I don't think it's a diamond bracelet for his wife, I said. Or medication, she said. The only clue we had to the contents of Mr Davis' senior parcel was the word written on the side. Live. 27th of February. David Davis has an appointment with young Mr D on Tuesday morning. He hasn't been in for a while and didn't speak to me to make the appointment. I only noticed his name by chance when I was looking through the diary. I wonder if he deliberately phoned in during what he must have worked out is my lunch break. It wouldn't surprise me. For a psychiatrist, he's not very good at dealing with people. I've noticed that my hair is looking rather drab. It could do with a cut and maybe a little colour. I wonder if I could have it done tomorrow. Not that there's any rush. It would just be good to have it done while I'm in the mood. The hairdresser can squeeze me in at 3.30 as they've had a cancellation. A new haircut will suit the new slim uh, me. 2nd of March, Tuesday. 10.20am. David Davies is in with young Mr D. He arrived on time, which is unusual for him. He is normally early. And went straight in, so there wasn't any time for him to speak to me other than to nod good morning. I was relieved. He would only have been rude or found something to complain about. He's not the sort of man who would notice a new haircut or pay a compliment anyway. 10.25am. They have come out into reception now. I will offer to make some coffee for young Mr D. He will probably need it. But I'm not offering him one. I'll just wait for them to finish talking before I say anything. I've learned it's far better to keep my head down while David Davis is around. 10.30am. I'm not in the least bit interested in their conversation. I shall continue to enjoy my coffee break and when they have finished discussing the team for next Saturday's Rugby International, I shall wash my cup and get back to work. Some of us do have work to do, like, ah, good timing, answering the phone.